Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Netflix and Swole podcast, your source for Netflix news, reviews, and booze. It is Tuesday, and I told you I would see you, so hi, I'm Caleb. And I can't possibly hold all of these keys. Yeah, there's there's the one... Mm. Uh, you know what? I thought of a better joke almost immediately. <laughs> it's... Uh, okay. It's... it's I, I won't try to play off your joke then. Oh, I'm sorry. It's uh, uh, and I'm inviting you to a key party. <laughs> oh my god! Infinitely better. Yeah, all all the keys go in a fishbowl. Um, <laughs> we'll we'll figure out whose key gets inserted into which person's neck uh, to open up the shadow realm of their mind. I, I really hope that no one picks the fire key and shoves it into my heart so I explode. So, uh, if you haven't seen anything about the new Netflix show Lock and Key, you're probably confused about uh, this intro. To be fair, uh, everybody is confused about every intro that we do, and uh, because none of them make sense. Ever. How are you? Oh, I'm great. How are you? Uh... Good. I'm uh, a job boy. I'm so proud. I had, I had my first week working at the lumber yard, and uh, it's a lot of fun. It's really nice going to a single physical location, clocking in and doing stuff, and then clocking out at a pre-selected time and then I know, right? leaving. I walk in at 8.30 every morning, and I punch, I punch out at 5, unless it's uh, a Tuesday, in which case, dear fucking sweet Jesus, do I pray and hope that uh, they don't fuck me over, uh, they being the, the people that I pay. Yeah, it's nice. I'll, I'll get overtime every week. Like, that's kind of built into the schedule that I'll work 48 hours every week. So that's really cool. Um, I don't know, a lot of uh, potential bonuses and stuff if our store uh has a good month or like if i sell you know so much uh lumber and lumber accessories <laughs> and uh you're, i don't know it seems like your wood hank hill yeah uh but it seems like i have some upward mobility now so and that's all i've really been looking for yeah i don't know the last few jobs like it it seemed like something that um, that I could get going in quick and like I did, but like uh, once I kind of learned the ropes of it, it's like, oh, well, we don't really need anybody like to move up into management. So oops. Yeah, no, I get that. Uh, my department is, uh, I, I don't know. I'm not really looking for 
mobility, upwards mobility uh, at this stage in my of my life. I just want a job in North Carolina. I have that. It pays well, so uh, I'm good where I am for now. We'll see where I am uh, in like two, three years' time. Maybe I want yeah. to be a, a super payroll boy. Maybe I don't. Who knows? I want to be the COO of the company. I believe in you. I, I believe that's an attainable goal. Yeah. I'll have to get my MBA at some point. Mm. Maybe a PhD. That won't, that won't hurt. It can't be that hard to get that, though. I mean, Craig has one. <laughs> Along with every third person. Uh, yeah. Uh, I love M- you, Craig. MBAs are the new bachelor degrees. There really are. So many fucking people have MBAs. Well, you know what it is? It's uh, all, all tuition assistance. Yeah. When jobs give you tuition assistance, it's just like, fuck, yeah, fuck, sure. Yeah, I don't know. And that's that's just one of those things that, like, uh, it helps you reach that level of employment where you never have to job hunt because people will actively recruit you. Yeah, exactly. Like, I just want to get to that level. Like, I don't want to ever look for a job again. I want people to say, please come work here. Hey, you know what would be, would be really cool, though? Is if we could get this to be our job. And with that, I ask you all to head over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Netflix and Swill and give us money so we can make this our full-time job. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you want to lay out the news on that front? Oh no, there's no there's no news on that. Nothing, nothing. That no was I, I, nothing I, at all. I, I I of course responded saying hi, yeah, yeah, we'd be interested. Uh, please feel free to e- email us at this email address at, at the show's email address, which for those of you and who then don't that's know, as far as it went. Netflix and Swill uh, at gmail dot com, and uh, never heard from that person. So uh, that was Thursday, and we were recording Sunday. So who the fuck knows? Fun. <sighs> I got very excited, or was that Wednesday? Regardless, I we I got very excited, and then was uh very quickly hopes dashed because the person never uh-huh. responded. So, person, if you're listening to this show, please respond for the love of God. <laughs> just send a follow up email. It's just please respond. No, they didn't even send an email. That's the thing is they never sent an email in the first place. So, like, I don't know who to email. Uh-huh. Yeah, we were. I guess getting scouted by a podcast network, but who knows? We we get scouted all well, I don't want to say all the time. We get scouted enough. But almost always we have turned them down because it's like, uh, no. We don't like what you're going for. And uh, like for better or worse, it seems like we're starting to assemble our own network. <laughs> Of sorts, right? It's it's like so. It's like you. It's like us. Uh, we got rabbit ears. We have uh, fucking Gerald, who who will be on later. Like we're basically like a network in and of to ourselves. Yeah. Regardless, uh, yeah. So who who knows? Maybe in like four weeks' time, we'll get an email. Sorry, I missed you. Here here's all the details that you you need for this thing that we want you to do. Cool. <laughs> Yeah, very cool. Very cool. 
hey, uh, we're unfortunately short on time because uh, we, we scheduled uh, things are happening. But uh, let's hop over into what's your swill? As I say, hop again. Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans. Stay away from the cans. All right. Well, uh. I don't have any alcohol this week because I didn't feel like stopping and picking anything up. So you're getting sober Caleb this week, and I'm all jacked up on green tea energy. Oh my god. Uh, I got that kombucha energy. Uh, that's not my alcohol, though. Uh, my alcohol is the the final drops of my aviation gin. Uh, it, it was like one drink left. So like- you remember... When I told you my one buddy made me a gin and tonic with kombucha instead of actual tonic. Fucking why? It's so wild. That is, that like, that's just the wildest thing. Is he making his own kombucha? Nah. No. I I feel like that would be the next step for him though. He's. I mean, part of me wants to. <laughs> part of me really wants to. Don't worry, everybody. This was not me. I would never fucking do that. Yeah, he. I don't know. He does a lot of like, uh, like the health fad, like supplement stuff. Like he got really into kratom for a while. Oh, Ashley is very much into kratom. My mom ah, is also gross. into kratom. So, two of our patrons uh, into kratom. Cool. Um, hey, let's hop into the news. Oh shit! It's mail time. This is just gonna be this episode, isn't it? We're just, we're just gonna hop yeah. into everything, aren't we? The nightmare's over, Dan. Oh my god. Go on. Uh, Netflix has introduced a setting that allows you to turn off autoplay previews while browsing the Netflix client. Thank fucking Christ. Um, there is also an option to prevent episodes from autoplaying. Uh, less uh, thanks fucking Christ. That's Well, to be fair, that's always been around. Like, that's yeah. always been a setting that people were just like, uh, I don't Yeah, I guess so. It's nice that they have it, but... I hate that I have to scramble for my controller to watch the credits, but I can't possibly turn off this setting. I don't know. If there was a setting just specifically when you finish the last episode of something, it won't start playing a preview, that would be great. That'd be perfect. Because then I could enjoy the last, like, couple minutes of BoJack and, like, let the the heavy tone kind of wash over me for a couple minutes without them fucking advertising Big Mouth to me. <laughs> I got Miss Americana because that was before <laughs> I watched Miss Americana. But uh, w- I didn't realize there was like a production stinger at the end of BoJack Horseman because I never got that far in the credits before. <laughs> so that was kind of surreal. Uh, Wait, which I, one's at the end of it? I don't actually know. I, I heard it one time. It's not like like Frimulon or anything like that uh-huh. where I've heard it a billion times because it's on Hulu and Hulu's a fucking pile of garbage. Uh, but as to auto-playing previews, thank God, uh, I have gotten so used to muting my television while browsing Netflix that uh, it, it's nice to not have to do that anymore. All right. Well, uh... Uh, spinning out has been canceled after one season. Hooray! Uh, why? Why doesn't Netflix want to give figure skating shows a chance? So, did uh, we had this as a dick pic, and I know you were sick that week. Did you watch any of Spinning Out, or did you were just like fuck it? Oh God, no! 
<laughs> uh, when I was like, I'm going to be far too sick to watch the show, uh, I was like, well, silver lining, I don't have to watch Spinning Out. <laughs> it's true. Uh, that show had ideas. Like, with every show, they have ideas. It's just like the cast they get isn't good. Like January Jones being cast in anything should be like an automatic like, oh, pump the brakes on this shit. Let's uh, let's wait and see before we uh, we even give this a shot. Oh, I'm stomping on the brakes. I'm putting that show right through the fucking windshield. <laughs> but uh, no, this was canceled after four weeks. Like this show released on like I want to say the first of January. Like it was supposed to get like that big. The first of January, Jones. It blew my mind. I was gonna say it was getting that New Year's Day bump where like you're you're home, you're doing nothing but recovering from uh, alcohol poisoning from the night prior, and you have nothing else to watch. So oh fuck it, here's spinning out. And uh, no, uh, no one watched it. So uh, that's what a four week cancellation tells me is that literally no one watched it. There wasn't like any discussions on like lowering the budget. There was no discussions on like anything else. It was just like show didn't fucking perform. Goodbye. All right. And our last news story for this week, Castlevania Season 3 will premiere on March 5th. Please be better than the second season. Yeah. Uh, the second season wasn't bad, but I don't know. Mm. No, but like the first season was amazing, and, and the, the second season was just like, oh, yeah. eh, too much melodrama for me. You know what would be really nice for them to have a, a decent amount of in their Castlevania TV show? Dracula. Uh, I think this next season is going to be Dracula, because I'm pretty sure that uh, Simon has to come... Wait, what's his name? Is it, is it Simon? Trevor. Trevor Belmont has to come yeah, back. Yeah, this one's Trevor, because it's based on Castlevania 3. And he has to come back and like scat- like get all the scattered pieces of Dracula, reassemble him, and then kill him again? Based off of the Castlevania 3 uh, fucking uh, storyline, I believe. So we'll get some Dracula again. Yeah. I wonder if they'll continue the show after... Oh, I'm sure. Like, that storyline's done. Like, if they'll do the other Belmonts. Like Simon or uh, Richter. Yeah. Or Juiced Belmont. I I don't know how you pronounce it. It's J-U-S-T-E. That's juiced, one of the Belmonts. Juiced is as good as, as we got. Juiced or just? I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I don't know. Actually, I think that was... Uh, I think that was Simon Belmont's ancestor. I think he was the first one, canonically, that fought Dracula. I can't remember. Hey, remember when uh, Igarashi made a, a a Castlevania clone? Yes. Uh, if any of you haven't played it, it's called uh, uh, Bloodstained Curse of the Moon. Uh, it's 8-bit, and it's fucking actually really good. It's really fun. So you should all play it. It's on, like, every console right now. And, it, like, every platform has it. Hmm. Because it's 8-bit. It's, like, a, a gig. You want to know what? I've never finished a Castlevania game. I haven't either, because all I played of Symphony of the Night. <laughs> and I, I know, I've played the shit out of some Metroid. I think I've beaten every Metroid game. I didn't beat. And Fusion. I know that's basically Space Castlevania. That's true. I haven't beat Fusion because I get stuck on uh, M Sam or uh, uh, fucking 
other Samus. Uh, oh, the SAX. Yeah, the SAX. I I get fucking I get fucked up by that that one all the time. Yeah, it's a pretty rough. I don't know until you get. I think it's. Uh, I think until you get the plasma beam, you just have to fucking run away every time you see well, it. No, I like I get to the end game chase. Like the end game, like finish this before the timer goes off. Yeah, and that's where, you where you have, have to, to fight, fight where you have to fight it, like uh, as you're trying to stop the self destruct. Exactly. Or to to rig the self destruct. Yeah, and and that's where I lose to it. Like I I I got Man, the whole. Run I have to play then. that game again. Metro Fusion is real good. That game's so good. They need to bring it. They need to uh, bring it to Switch. Really, just give uh, fuck it. Who cares? Give me all the the Metroid games on Switch. Make a Metroid collection. Look at what uh, uh, fucking Capcom's doing with, like, Mega Man and shit. Yee. All right. Uh, that brings us to Downstream, where we have one whole trailer to talk about. Baby, I can't control the internet. That's my favorite line! Light week. I like it. Yeah. Uh, so this is for All the Bright Places... Uh, which stars Elle Fanning and Detective Pikachu's Justice Smith. Yeah, it sure does. Uh, how many more chances does Justice Justice Smith get with us? I'll give him all the chances in the world. I fucking love Justice Smith. Well, that's true. I- I'm being kind of an asshole. But, like, because uh, he was in this. He's in uh, Detective Pikachu. Where he's, like, he's okay. Like, he- he's not the worst part of that. He's not the girl. Who I feel like is the girl yeah. from Lock and Key. Now that Maybe. I think about it, looks yeah. the same. Looks uh, like her. Uh, I fucking love Detective Pikachu. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, that's a whole discussion for another time. Because, <laughs> because like, it's been a while. Like, I remember going special to the report, other- Detective Pikachu review and breakdown. We, which we should have done earlier, but uh, we didn't because we're idiots. But. Uh, Throw it on the patron list. Yeah, sure. Fuck it. Um, That's going to be the next thing I make uh, the countdown watch and review. They did it already. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Back when it came out. Have they done... Hmm. Because I made them watch in review Super Mario Brothers starring Bob Hoskins. Um, I'm going to keep finding video game movies like that. So I think... Double Dragon. I think the next one will be Street Fighter. Should be Double Dragon. I'll do Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, then Double Dragon. There we go. Okay, I'll, I'm fine with it. I mean, at least I'll get Raul, Raul Julia. And then Mortal Kombat Annihilation. <laughs> that movie's a piece of shit. Uh, anyway, All the Bright Places is a trailer. Um, it's a a teen romantic comedy. Um, I, I wouldn't go comedy. It looks like it's just a, a teen, teen romantic movie. drama. Drama, drama. No, it's about finding yourself and uh, figuring out how to become an adult. It looks decent. Yeah, it's Elle Fanning, Justice Smith. Uh, Elle Fanning's sister dies uh, canonically in the story, not in real life. Dakota Fanning apparently is still alive. I hope to fucking Christ they get Dakota Fanning to uh, play her sister. Because, dear God, that would be amazing. Uh, But, I don't know. Uh, I want to see Justice Smith in good things that people will like, and I hope this is a thing that people will like, because uh, I liked him a lot in The Get Down, and I want to see him do yeah. well. If nothing else, like, between this and Let It Snow, like, 
Netflix is at least keeping Justice Smith and Shameik Moore employed. I mean, Shameik Moore will have fucking Into the Spider-Verse movies for the rest of his life. So long as they keep writing them well. Yeah, when's the follow-up for that coming? 2022. I know, it's a long time. It's a very long time. I think it's 2022. Might be 2021. That's like uh, altered carbon turnaround time. (laughs) I actually saw the teaser for that. Uh, It doesn't look terrible. But, like, do I care is the real question. Like, I need to see a trailer for that first before I decide if I care or not. Who's in this one? Anthony Mackie? Yeah. Okay. Who who is less of a block of wood than Joel Kinnaman, but uh, yeah. not by much. When are they making a fucking Captain America movie with Anthony Mackie? They're doing uh, Winter Soldier. They're doing Falcon and, and the Falcon Winter Soldier, first. but... Which is apparently... I don't, want him to, I don't want him to just still be Falcon, though. Well... This uh, it might be based off of the comic run where uh, Falcon does become Captain America, and then like maybe yeah. it'll be Captain America in Phase Five, or like there'll be an Avengers, whatever the fuck you want to call it, and then he'll be Captain America and that or some shit. Like maybe Falcon and Winter Soldier is all about him becoming the Captain America that he thinks he needs to be. Why do I care about this? No I, one knows. I'm I'm done with the whole Marvel thing because fucking. I I can't be excited about anything they after keep Endgame. They throw that lore out there, and they keep reeling you in. That's all it is. Yeah. But that said, everyone's fucking shitting on Netflix for putting out content, like overloading content every single week. I want to point out, The Mandalorian has been off the air for like uh, a month and a half now, and we're not getting Captain Amer- or uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier until summer. So we're looking yeah. at like fucking eight months between Disney <laughs> Disney Plus things that people care about. Yeah, and what, uh, the next season of The Mandalorian is supposed to come out in, like, 2021? Oh, no, they're, I think, I believe the schedule is, uh, winter 2020. Okay. Oh, yeah, I think it's, like, November or December of this year, that's right. and WandaVision happens, which, uh, based off, I want to watch that because it looks like it's going to be, like, sitcoms of like all those different eras, like the 40s, like the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and modern comedies. That's neat. That looks super. That sounds super cool. I don't so, know. I'll check out. Uh, I'll probably check out Moon Knight whenever that finally comes out. Uh, never. It's never gonna happen. Cause fuck, no? fuck, fuck Disney. Wasn't that like one of the big fave, oh, yes, Phase Five believe, things that they announced? Believe me, it is. Yes, yes. But uh, <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna Disney fight. And I don't, I don't like. It's basically... <laughs> like. The the Moon Knight image I love the most is like uh, when he's walking down some stairs. He's like Dracula, you fucking nerd. Where's my fucking? Money? I know you're here, Dracula. You big fucking nerd. Where's my money? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're not gonna get that on Disney Plus. It's not gonna happen. Yeah, I always thought that was just a meme, and and then it turned out that it's not. That was actually from a Moon Knight comic where he just was looking for Dracula, and nobody knew what the fuck he wanted. Yeah. All right, uh, quick hits. Uh, friend, did you watch anything? I was a very busy work boy, and I did not. That's fair. I watched enough to, uh, fix you. So, uh, let's start off with Horse Girl. Stars Allison Bree. She's a horse girl. So, uh, automatically you know she's a crazy person. 
uh, Vanessa started watching this. I um, she told me a little bit about it. She hasn't finished it yet, and I haven't gotten to watch it yet. So, uh, broad strokes. Then uh, she is a horse girl. Uh, really, she just like she had this horse when she was younger, uh, and she thinks like like she still cares for it, even like despite the fact that she's like twice her twice the age she was when she was riding that horse in the first place that's that's not a horse girl that's just a girl with a horse yeah i know it's it's kind of funny seeing allison brie go from a, a show about a horse man to a, a movie about a girl who likes a horse uh and uh one thing that she has does, to be intentional <laughs> you would think so um so like she experiences some weird dreams and like wakes up in random places like there's a there's one sequence where she's driving her car and then she kind of like zones out and then like just appears in front of her kitchen sink and no one knows what happened so uh it's a lot about her being like possibly on the spectrum it, it like she's at least at the very least uh extraordinarily socially awkward uh I, where's donnie i don't know that one uh, it sounds like Donnie Darko. Oh, God. Uh, Don- Donnie is fortunately dead. Uh, he got hit by a fucking jet engine. <laughs> Dan, maybe you don't get it. Maybe I should explain it to uh, you. Uh, please, please go through the multiple timelines for that fucking movie. <laughs> uh, so, but, uh, she thinks it's, uh, she thinks it's aliens, and, uh, the movie goes through whether or not it's aliens. And I'm not going to say it's aliens. But it's aliens. <laughs> I fucking hope it's aliens. I can't wait to watch this now. You brought the fact that it, it's possibly like schizophrenia. Uh, yeah. And that's like, that's still like a very, that's like a very real option. I think like, ah, uh, uh, fuck. What's the condition called? Epilepsy. Like, a lot of times when epileptic people have seizures, that's what they think is going on when people report alien abductions, because you see, like, a bright flash, mm. and then you, like, black out for three hours, Yeah, but it feels like no time has passed. Yes. Uh, th- so, uh, there, there's that. Uh, I'm not going to give too much away, because mainly because Caleb hasn't seen this. Uh, this movie borrows a lot of, from Under the Skin. Uh, if anyone's seen that, except, like, I think this movie, well, this movie also features talking, so, like, it explains what it's doing in the first place. Under the Skin features, like, very little dialogue, and I have no idea what's fucking happening in that movie. This movie is at least easier to follow, so it's, like, in the vein of Under the Skin. Uh, also, big plus to this movie, you get full frontal Allison Brie. Ooh! <laughs> uh, so, th- so there's that. All right. Uh, then I watched one episode of Medical Police. Uh, it's an adult swim show. It's a spinoff of Children's Hospital. And dear fucking G- sweet Jesus, do I wish I never watched this. Oh, my uh, God. Stop doing these adult swim type shows on, on Netflix. They're not funny. They're ne- they're, they'll never be funny. Uh, if you're going to do anything, fucking make a live action venture, brothers, and leave me, lo- leave me alone. Like, that's all I want. Fuck off now. Die. Uh, Medical Police gets a one. Uh, and then I watched the first episode of Grace and Frankie. <laughs> Uh, which was uh, fine. It was it was a good start to a series. Uh, I will continue watching it with Ashley because nice. And I quote: "I love Grace and Frankie. It's a good show. 
Uh, that's it. That's all I watched this week. All right. Well, why don't we hop into a quick break, and when we come back, we'll be joined by our guest correspondent, Wonderbread, to discuss Lock and Key. Let's see, Alex. Uh, what do you think of Jaws, which is at 97% Rotten Tomatoes? I find it to be anti-shark propaganda. What do you feel about the Entourage movie, which is at a meager 33%? I think they finally got Hollywood right. How about It Follows, 97%. Worse than your parents giving you the sex is evil talk. How do you feel about Juno, which is at 94%? That would be a movie that celebrates a teenage homewrecker. Uh, how about Bewitched at 25%? Best television adaptation ever put to film. How do you feel about American Hustle at a towering 93%? Overwrought awards bait. Righteous Kill, 19%. The movie that Michael Mann wishes he had made when he created Heat. Sounds about right. I'm Julio. I'm Alex, and we are the Contrarians. As you can tell, our thing is that we rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. Regardless of what we really feel. Find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn. Facebook, Twitter, we're everywhere. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We are joined by uh, ever-vaunted guest host, Wonderbread. Uh, good evening. To talk about Lock and Key, uh... A Netflix adaptation of a graphic novel series from Joe Hill, a.k.a. Stephen King's son. More like, lock this show up and throw away the key, am I right? Uh, Maybe. Let's, let's, give him, let's, let's slowly put, it, put the dick in before we, uh, we splooge everywhere. Uh, Corey, what did you think about the show? Ah, it was fucking garbage. <laughs> good, good initial I... thoughts. I technically watched this whole series, and I say technically in a loose sense. I I watched three episodes of it and realized that this was not Lock and Key. Uh huh. And then I started playing Call of Duty while I watched the rest of it. And let me tell you something: I did really good at Call of Duty <laughs> because you were so angry that you were watching not Lock and Key, and it fueled your fire. Uh, Caleb, what did you think? It's fine. It's a bunch of kids running around. There's magic keys for some reason. Uh, the, the youngest kid can find them because he hears the, the keys for some reason, and they can use them to do things sometimes. That's the show. What? Con- consu- consume this content. All right, uh, I had to bust out my notebook for this. Uh, I I also think this show is really bad. Uh, the, the acting on in particular is uh, atrocious, uh, especially from uh, who is our main character, Bodie. Uh, he he's a child actor and therefore Bodie terrible. McBode face. Yeah. Uh, the also the the show is shot like uh, someone forgot how to light properly. Like everything is fucking dark, and I hate it. Like. You, you can't have everything be dark. Some things have to be in light. Like, yeah. l- let them be that way. And then there's, like, an all-blue scene where there's, like, a CGI dead kid flying around. And it looks like a oh. a Dreamcast game. Oh, my God. It looks so bad. Corey, Corey did you uh, did you get yeah. to the, the spirit door? <laughs> it looks like the legacy of Kane's Soul Reaver on Dreamcast. <laughs> I got to everything. Okay, but did you did you see Bodhi flying? I around? did. It 
was just abysmal. Just, just abysmal. It was fucking terrible. And I'll, I gotta get something off my chest here. Sure. I have a real problem. I knew from the first moment I started this show that I was gonna hate it. Like, zero out of ten. Oh, dude, no. Y- y- we talked about this when the trailer came out. We both knew we were going to hate this show when that trailer came out. But I didn't realize the biggest problem. They changed the name of the town because, according to an interview with Joe Hill, he learned more about Lovecraft and realized how horrible of a person he was. But he wasn't horrible enough to name a fucking town in his graphic novel after whenever he was chasing people to go read his fucking graphic novel in the first place. It infuriates me, these fucking people who are like, oh, we can't talk about H.P. Lovecraft because he was a racist piece of shit, but we're just going to use all of his ideas, and his fuck- one of his creations in Elder Gods is going to be the main bad guy of the series. But we're just not going to fucking talk about him at all. Take him out. Take him out, kill him, beat him. It's infuriating. Lovecraft is canceled. Lovecraft probably should be, but... Huh. You're not wrong, he should be. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. I, uh, I, I didn't finish the series. Now, since you said it's about like Lovecraft and stuff, the fucking bedtime story about the sea monster makes sense now. Well, they took all that out. So the graphic—I haven't read the graphic novel in a really long time. Yeah, it's been a while for me as well. And I assume that we're never going to cover season two of this. So no. no. I'm going to talk about everything in the graphic novel. So if anybody gives a fuck about this show, you should probably just not listen to me well here's the thing i i know real quick before you start they they change a lot of things in order for this to actually like be a series as opposed to a limited graphic novel set and like that's fine if that's what they want to do i'm not here for it but that it's fine that this is what they're doing yeah, I mean, if you want to make it into, like, a CW show, that's cool. Well, that that's exactly what it is, but yes. That's, but, you're prerogative. Sorry, go ahead. So, in the, if you find this out in, like, the last three comics, where the creatures that are being pulled in to the universe that they're making the keys out of, because the keys are made of a metal that is actually a living monster, and they're all from the Plateau of Lang, which is something that H.P. Lovecraft made. And on top of that, the big enemy who is, like, manipulating Dodge and who is, like, doing all this stuff is Nihilahotep, which is, like, one of the big Lovecraftian elder gods. So, like, the fact that... I don't know if they they would even use that, because it's like, oh, they're too embarrassed of Lovecraft to... Name, just say the name of the town, and, like, they could do anything. They could have, like, a, like, be like, oh, yeah, our town was named after a really racist guy, and just throw that out there. But, like, I think it's disingenuous to cop out like that. Sure. Especially, because I I read a whole interview with Joe Hill, and I was just like, this guy is definitely related to Stephen King. (laughs) (laughs) He he wants to... He wants to have his cake and not be racist, too. Exactly. He wants all of the benefits of having name recognition of, like, oh, people really like H.P. Lovecraft because he made a cool mythology, even though he was a piece of shit. But he also doesn't want people to be like, 
this guy wrote a story that is based on him. Yeah, that's But fair. now that I have that off my chest, we can actually discuss how fucking terrible this show was. Well, I mean, like, for me, it, it starts and ends with the acting. Like, I, I think there are some decent ideas to turn this, like, that aren't, like, direct ripoffs from the adaptation, it's, like, from the, the comics itself. Like, uh, I can't think of any of them right now because all I'm thinking about is how terrible fucking Bodie is. Uh, and, and like Bodie McBode face. Well, like here, here's the thing. I knew for a fact the show would be terrible when they couldn't even afford Sean Ashmore. They had to, uh, go out and get his identical twin brother, uh, who literally was on CW shows. Was Sean Ashmore's brother the one that was in Man of Medan? No, that was Sean Ashmore. Interesting. Yeah. Well, you can if you if you listen to them talk different. Like Sean Ashmore has a higher pitch than uh, than his brother yeah. does. Uh, it actually sounds like me attempting to uh, speak in a lower register, so that way I don't piss you off. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yes. So like that's the that's the big differentiation of them. You know how you can make this show better? Sure. Uh, you cast get rid of. <laughs> cast new. You people. cast Joshua Jackson. Instead of Sean Ashmore's brother. Sure. And then you restart the show and you film it at Hartwood Acres. <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know, Hartwood Acres is a, a local uh, place near uh, where Corey and I used to live. Uh, where they filmed the original pilot yes. of Lock and Key back when it was a Hulu show. Oh, I didn't realize it was a Hulu show. Yeah, uh, it was um, supposed to be... Let- let me uh, explain what this show's about before I lose my fucking mind. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, we forgot to I'm sorry, I'm the just, initial premise. I, I hate this show so much that I'm trying to talk about anything other than the plot. Okay. Uh, this stars Darby Staunchfield, Connor Jessup, Amelia Jones, three siblings who move into their ancestral estate after their father's murder, discover their new home's magical keys, which must be used in their stand against an evil creature who wants the keys and their powers. Um, it's a Narnia house. They find keys that do things. Well, and they even directly reference that multiple times. Uh, which yeah, uh, I also uh, remember that Netflix has the the rights to the Narnia adaptations in the first place. So yeah, uh, that makes sense. So uh, this stands at a seven point seven out of ten on IMDb. So it is uh, two point three stars or two point five stars better than Tall Girl. <laughs> uh, Corey doesn't get that joke. There, I've I've done the thing that I have to do every time we review something. All right, Caleb, it, it's been real nice talking to you. All right, I'll see you guys later. Uh, Corey, what other tangents and uh, things do you want to rip apart on this show? Uh, just everything. It's not good. So here's here's my problem. They took a story that initially was about like family trauma and how families like come together when things go horribly wrong and how they just like deal with it. Mm-hmm. And they turned it into, like, a high school drama about, like, what it's like to be not be popular and try to fit in with the cool kids. Like, I know they couldn't do this, but... So, in the graphic novel, the Sam ends up, like, raping the mom. Yes. Like, that's one of the plot points. Yes. And that, yeah, you can't like, do that today. That basically... But they could allude to it, but that... That's also, like, a huge character motivation for her, because she's basically an alcoholic for the entire comic series until, like, the very end. 
Right, and they only they only bring up the fact that she that she's a, a recovering alcoholic, like she's uh, no longer addicted, like throughout the the initial part of the se- the season. So like it's just kind of ancillary that she's you know an alcoholic. Yeah, like you basically stripped all of her character and agency and her trying to figure her shit out while keeping her family together, and you just were like. What if we just talk about the 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 friends? What if we just keep make a terrible fucking horror movie clubhouse and make terrible speeches about what it's like to be the final girl? And oh my god, the Savinis! They even had Tom Savini in the show as as the. Key I know guy. that was the only part of the show that I liked. Uh, there was uh, I, I clapped. I, 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 don't... <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> I, I like a red letter media reference there, uh, but no, I. I Caleb and I have been using it uh, recently, but we've also we've done the aloha slash middle finger thing because, you know, aloha and middle finger both have uh, two separate meanings. I, I laughed at that. I don't, I don't know. It was cheap. It was stupid. I clapped. I, I clapped. I saw Darth Vader's red lightsaber and I clapped my hands. <laughs> I don't know. Like the the show that did family trauma and the family coming together better is fucking uh, Haunting of Hill House. Like, like that show yes. is exactly what should have been lock and key in the first place. And that's coming from someone who likes the, the graphic novel. Like, people, you can like whatever you want, like, and you can like this new teen drama thing, but, like, they, like I, I I'm going to sound like a, a, a stupid fanboy here, but that's not what lock and key was about. Like, it was always about, like, them coming together as a family and conquering their fears. And... Here's an, here's another thing that annoyed me. He this is so small, but the the older brother, he in the comics he wears like a fishing hat, right? Mm-hmm. And it like that's a huge thing at the end of the series because the hook that's in the fishing hat is made out of the material that it's like the metal that they use to forge the keys, and that's how they basically win is that they're like oh. Our dad gave us this hat forever ago, and now we have the ability to, like, defeat the evil because of something that we were given that we didn't know at the time. So them not introducing that so early is, like, a gigantic problem as the show goes forward, because they're just going to have to figure out some other way. Or, I mean, they could add it in later, but it's like, why wouldn't you have had this the whole time? Right, like, it's supposed to be there throughout the entire series, so, like, you're, you're like, there's, like, little snippets of it being a, a thing and being present, but it, it doesn't really do anything until they figure it out. Well, my, yeah. my big problem with this is that, as we mentioned, as they mentioned multiple times, uh, it's magic, so adults forget about it, uh, except for his dad, except for the dad and uh, uh, Ellie, the girl. Uh, they they can remember it because reasons they don't explain why they can remember the whole thing, but that's like a big thing is like that's why they never wanted to go back to Hill House and like that was ingrained in his head that I don't want to go back to Hill House or Hill fuck Key House, uh, you know what I meant. But like <laughs> uh, he didn't have like an explicit reason. It was just like always this thing in the back of his head, as opposed to outwardly being like, ah, here, daughter, here is the anywhere key. Take it and uh, protect it f- because reasons. Well, also, don't forget the guy who exploded in the first 30 seconds of the show. He also remembered the keys and was an adult. Oh, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, I forgot about him. But yeah, and like, they just never address that. Well, I. Well, remember he had the map, like he had this, the blueprints of the house, and that was where all the keys were. 
and they never explain like anything going on with Aaron in in the first place. Like Aaron, like they just say, "Oh, she went to the house and lost her mind." How? Like fucking explain that? Like you went into her mind? Like can, can can't you just explain how she lost her mind? You you just got to move yeah. on from that. Okay, I guess. Nah, we got to go back to high school. We got to talk about the fucking Savini Club and how they want to film a movie. <sighs> it's depressing. Uh, I, I will give this show one piece of credit. I really like the production design. I like the house a lot. I like the inside of people's minds. I thought those were all, like, despite the fact that maybe they're, like, trite and not interesting, but, like, the way they looked was interesting in terms of, like, how you got into Bodie's head, how you got into Kinsey's head. Like, I, I thought those were all interesting little facets. It was a good art direction for a shitty show. The 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 production team did not deserve uh, the the scriptwriters at all. Like the scriptwriters should just be fucking uh, gone forever, banished into their own minds. <laughs> I also thought the like the house looked really cool. Yeah, I I would love if they put a different better. I would like if they did the next season of the haunting of whatever in that house because it's just like it's a cool spooky house. You know, uh, I'll be honest, Corey. I was looking for the giant key the whole time. Yeah, and I I didn't see it, so I I, I doubt they're gonna introduce that at all, which is a shame. It's because that was cool. That was something that was like, oh my god. Ooh, other change. Fucking... Uh, it's no longer the gender key. It's the identity key. Yeah, which is dumb. Uh, it... I guess it it would have been too hard for them to get twins, though. I think the problem with it is like i i think that's another revision he made for modern audiences because now it's like oh well we have non-binary people so like let's just change it so like they can change uh, uh just their appearance and like that comes back way later in in the season and i'll talk about that like real quick when i want to talk about spoilers because uh i'm the only one who like actually paid attention to the full thing but are you not talking about spoilers no yeah, we've been spoiling this this whole time. Uh, I literally it's like, it's like super spoilers. It, like if people I care. literally said who the final enemy was and how they defeat him. Dude, if you think they're going to actually do that <laughs> as the final enemy for this this show, you're an insane person. Yeah, I don't know how you do a goat with a thousand young. It's not happening. You're not that he's not going to be the villain. Period. It's going to be Dodge. It's going to be it Dodge is. as the it villain. It is going to be Dodge, and it's going to be fucking stupid. But um, there, there was that whole plot where, I hate you, where they throw <laughs> out, like, Duncan cross-dressing the entire time. And there's also that throwaway line that Duncan lives with his, his boyfriend, Brian, in Boston. Like, we never really get to meet Brian at all. It's just like, oh, uh, Duncan exists. He forgot about the keys. He has a boyfriend. Brian lives in Boston. He's barely around. Okay, cool. Brian uh, or Duncan's a, a, a so much more interesting character than this, and you're just fucking railroading him for no reason. Cool, great. And it was weird that they combined the British friend from the comics with the like they combined two characters together mm-hmm. to take away because there was like the British friend and then there was the black friend, and they were two different characters who had like their own agency and their own like plot threads and they just kind of were like here go yeah. be the same person we can't cast too many people in this show except they overcast and there's like way too many people in the show 
because it's a 10 episode season and we have to have as many characters as humanly possible. High school drama. Uh, Caleb, do, do you want to say anything? We, Corey and I have been like kind of railing against this for a bit. Do you want to also rail against the show? It's fine. It's it's like any other like throwaway show that would be on any other network. Like, I don't know. It's fine. This is a bunch of kids running around finding keys and doing stuff. Uh, I don't know. It's been a bitch fest. Corey, do you want to say anything before I talk about like the, the big ending, uh, and how like it, it majorly differs from the the rest of the series? Nah, go for it. All right. So spoilers, everybody for the ending of lock and key season one. Uh, so, uh, Dodge does get the crown of shadows and manipulates shadows. And then, uh, they, they seemingly defeat Dodge and then throw her through the, the, the black door, or as I call it, the Omega door. Uh, turns out, uh, that their friend Gabe, who, uh, was with them during the final battle is actually Dodge in disguise. Uh, and she's been using the identity key to assume the, the identity of a high schooler in order to, uh, gain friendship of Kinsey, which I think is the most interesting thing the show ever did was uh, leave, like, this one person who just was completely unassuming to me, and then uh, that person is actually the bad guy. Uh, uh, of course, it was telegraphed, over-telegraphed, that Ellie was the one being thrown through the, the, the black door. Uh, they over-explained that a la... Um, fuck, what movie just over so A movie just over-explained a plot detail, and it was like, oh, it was Joker. Whenever, uh, he, whenever he walks into Zazie Beat's apartment, and she's like, who are you? What are you doing? And then they show, like, oh, Joaquin Phoenix was just around the whole time, and uh, fucking Zazzy Beats was nowhere with him, uh, and he was just a psychopath in his own mind. Uh, it was like that, but worse, because it, it went on for, like, ten minutes, as opposed to, like, two. So, yeah, uh, Dodge is still with them. Uh, he, she's never using the, the, the body of Lucas ever again. She's just going to be Gabe. And that's, that was interesting. But then uh, Eden got hit by one of those bullet things, so now she's a demon too. That's that's the end of Lock and Key. In some interesting stuff at the end, but the problem is like there's so much fucking meat in the middle that I don't care. I fucking I I have no interest in watching a season two. Yeah, I think I feel like I just wasted ten hours so that I could complain. Oh no no no! About it, believe show. me, I did the math. It was, it's only about eight. You only wasted eight oh, hours. Well. Get it right. That's better. You know what? I I sleep for eight hours, so. (laughs) Plus, really, it was only about three hours you wasted and then five hours on Call of Duty. That's a very good point. So I I don't know know why you're so mad. I should be the one that's furious here. I was show adjacent for eight hours, and that's enough to piss me off. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I guess that's it. Let's get into final thoughts and a rating. Uh, Caleb, do you even want to rate this show? Do you do you care enough? Uh, I don't know. I don't have a connection to the source material like you guys do, so I didn't have any expectations. Sure. And like I said, I thought it was fine. Um, it's I I was kind of entertained and kind of intrigued by it, but mostly uh, I was not offended by the quality of it. So um, it's, it's not awful at least to me. Uh, 
breaking news uh netflix approves lock and key season two. Oh, where'd you see this uh on reddit oh is it from ultimatemoviegoer.com or something like that yeah yeah i don't know about that one i saw that earlier and i'm like ah, i don't know about this news so uh maybe Maybe. I mean, it's possible. They threw, well, actually, I don't know how much money they threw behind this. I mean, if their big name actor is uh, Sean Ashmore's brother, then uh, I don't know how much money they actually put behind this show. I don't know. I'll I'll say, like, having not finished it yet, I'll say, like, two and a half, which is the middle of the road. It's fine. Corey, I'm waiting for that one. I'm going to give it a zero. Oh, okay. Because they changed the name of the town. I mean, that's... And that infuriated me in ways that I haven't been mad since I heard about that show that I won't name, or the movie that I won't name, with a terrible title. I I would give it a one star, but I feel like that's just not enough disappointment. That's not enough hate. That means that I have some hope. Yeah, that's that's annoying that they changed the name of the town. Like, do you remember when they changed the name of the setting in Death Note from Japan to Seattle for the movie? <laughs> I th- I thought that was a bold choice. It's, this is the best I could do. I'm sorry. Remember they made Light a school shooter as opposed to like an actual like complicated character? Do you remember when they made Light a white guy? You remember when, like, the last ten minutes of that movie were really good, though? Yeah. I definitely would have liked that movie a lot more if it was not called Death Note. Or it was Death Note colon something else. That's what we actually If, If they just weren't named Light and L. Yeah. Like, it would have been really good. I thought all the gore was... I'm just going to get off on a th- a tangent of how um, much I like Adam Wingard. Dan, what did you think of Lock and Key? Uh, I'm going to give this a one and a half. Uh, the more I talked about it, the more I disliked it. I went from like a, a two and a half, it's fine, after watching it, to like sitting on it to a two, to now. Uh, I, I, I just fucking hate the acting. I think the score is fucking terrible. I love the production design. Like this production team, uh, deserves instantly better than the, than what they got from the casting department and the writing team. Uh, that's that <laughs> the ending is also interesting. So like, if you like the show, I understand it. Uh, hashtag not my lock and key. And I'm, I, I'm unfortunately being a hypocritical fanboy about this because I, uh, make fun of Star Wars people all the time. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. That's pretty much where I am too. I I, I am very disappointed in this show. Especially, I felt even more attached to this show because initially it was supposed to be filmed in Pittsburgh, five minutes from my house. Oh yeah, that would have been fucking dope. That would have been awesome. But then they just didn't do it. They they decided to go with uh, wherever the fuck that place is. A set in the middle of fucking nowhere. Nailed it. Uh, Corey, thank you for coming on, even yes. if it was for uh, this thing. Absolutely. Uh, anytime when I feel like it. <laughs> it's true. 
Uh, I mean, being that you were the guy that introduced me to the graphic novel series in the first place, uh, I figured you were the only person that I could have on for this. So uh, thank you for just perfect uh, 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 soldiering on and uh, suffering for for our, our needs. Yeah. I I did my best. You can. I'm basically Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I assume you, you still don't want to be found anywhere? You, you don't want to promote anything? Yeah, it doesn't really matter. I don't care. All right, you can find him uh, at uh, beatmymeat at AOL.com. Uh, there you go. Uh, Corey at meatspin.com. Beatmymeat at AOL.com was a, an email address we used to give out while we were playing Halo 3. It's true. When I would uh, leave long, intricate Xbox Live messages to people about how much they're a fucking pussy-ass bitch. <laughs> oh, that was fuck. a great, that was arguably the best summer of our lives, where we, where we sat in my uh, computer room and played Halo 3 on the TV. It was, it was a good time. Now, I'm gonna go and watch an infinitely better show on HBO called The Outsider by... Stephen King. <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't turn into a fucking shit pile. <laughs> uh, we can only hope. Uh, but but thank you, Corey. Uh, and everybody, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be joined by a second guest, Gerald from Two Peas on a Podcast, to talk about the Taylor Swift documentary, Miss Americana. It's, uh, hey, th- this is a rough week for us too, folks. They can't all be zingers. The Netflix and Swole podcast is brought to you by our patrons. Gerald from Two Peas on the podcast, Nick and Justin from the Epic Film Guys podcast, Paul from the Countdown Movie and TV Reviews podcast, the IMDb Journey podcast, Julio from the Contrarians podcast, Ashley Gorski from the Rabbit Ears TV podcast, Nate Wade from the Everyone Has a Story podcast, Bill Sutton, James Delarosa, Ben Kiefer, Chris Yaney, Brianna Petty, and Dan's mom. If you would like to become a patron of the show, find us at patreon.com slash Netflix and Swill. In order to reach a wider audience, the show needs Apple Podcast reviews. To leave us a review, follow the link in the show notes or search for the show on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening and helping us grow. Our audience is at the heart of everything we do. You make the one-star movies worth it. Welcome back, everybody. Thankfully, Corey is no longer here, and instead we've gotten a uh, replacement, I guess. Dan, who who is our new guest? Oh, it's uh, Gerald, or Geraldo, from Two Peas on a Podcast, a patron of this show. That's right. That's right. What's up, fellas? <sighs> Gerald, why are you here? <laughs> Uh, you tell me, bro. I'm here because I love you, dudes. So, what do you what do you mean? Really, you you love us. Well, you uh, gave us a, a Patreon review for this week. Well, fine. If you don't want my money, you mean if we watch terrible movies, you'd give us money? Well, sure. Mister Caleb, welcome to the Patreon review segment. I did. Uh, so I'm here to discuss my affinity and uh, probably 
let let's call it what it is disgusting fetish well as you know to each his own i suppose (laughs) but miss taylor swift man she has a new documentary on netflix that came out last week and uh when they announced it a couple months ago, I immediately messaged you guys and said, we are doing this. So here we are. We're doing it. We're actually doing Look, it. Look, Mr. Krabs, I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so, so yeah, Gerald, tell us, uh, give us a quick synopsis. What's this uh, doco about other than Taylor Swift? Well, it's pretty generic in terms of, I mean, I don't know if you can really give a documentary a plot, but it follows Taylor's, um, you know, kind of rise to fame, but more so just her kind of trying to find normalcy within that fame. Uh, At least that's my perception of it. And it really follows the last, you know, 10 to 12 years of her career, pretty much up until present day, or at least up until the most recent elections that took place. Uh, I... I don't know if you want me to get into reviews right now, but I thought it was fascinating, not only because I'm a super fan of hers, but just, I mean, this is, she's a mega, mega superstar. This isn't just like another celebrity. I mean, this is, you know, Taylor Swift. She's up there with some of the biggest names in music. So it was fascinating to be able to see, but you know, I would say what the documentary is about is her kind of struggles that she has internally with trying to deal with fame and what comes with it. Uh huh. And when did you realize that you were obsessed with this woman who is uh, young enough to be your daughter? Wow. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. Wait a minute. Hold uh, on. Taylor Swift and I were born in the same year, and I am definitely not young enough to be fucking or old enough to be uh, Gerald's Hey, son. you don't know when he got she, his sperm. She just turned 30, so I would have had to be 14. So I Dude, guess she's born in 1989, bro. She's, yeah, so like she might be 31 for all we fucking know. I mean, I was fucking blasting off when I was 14. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, to answer your uh, your question, I have been a fan of hers for uh, since 2012, really. So about eight years. Yeah. yeah. I'll keep it. So I'll keep you it weren't clean, so though. much into the uh, like the country music phase. Not really. You know, I mean, I do have a young daughter. She's 18 now. But, um, you know obviously she was 10 back then so she was kind of into a lot of the young taylor music and i guess a lot of girls of that age were at the time so that's kind of how i was it was a conduit that i was kind of introduced to her uh through my daughter listening to her but i just when the red album came out in 2012 (laughs) is really when it turned did you did you uh disapprove no and so you started listening to her so she wouldn't think it was cool <laughs> yeah and now here we are eight years later i ironically um, listened to taylor two years later i fucking love this bitch i'll die for fucking taylor swift uh, right 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 no um i you know i don't know it's one of those things i mean it's just one of those things that i just don't i don't really know how it happened or really even remember how it happened you know, I do remember that it happened with that Red album in 2012, and a lot of the tunes that were on that album are still some of my favorites. Yeah, there were some bangers on that one, um, honestly. But, you know, it's like any any band or artist that I'm, like, super, super into. I don't really know necessarily why or how. I, I just am, and I just have an allegiance uh, towards them. And Taylor is definitely one of my favorites. All right, so let's uh, actually get into thoughts on the documentary. Caleb, we'll start with you before we uh, move into insanity. Uh, what did you think of this thing? <laughs> It was pretty good, if a bit standard and saccharine for like I don't know any like any documentary that follows a celebrity closely like this is going to be 
in my experience, about the same. <laughs> I started messaging you guys like not even a minute into this. There was a shot where like she was playing piano mm -hmm. and there's like a tiny little kitten on the piano. And I was like, so this movie wants me to believe that they didn't just put a tiny kitten onto the piano so that they could have a shot of her grabbing it and saying that it's not safe for the kitten to be on the piano. Like, that that cat didn't go up there by itself. It's possible, but she's known to be a crazy cat lady. So <laughs> she, I want to say she has three or four cats that live with her in Nashville, and she takes them on tour with her, bro. So, Well, I mean, that's just being a not-shitty pet owner, yes. but... My point, though, I guess, would be that like it it seems somewhat manufactured, mm. um, yeah, which is fine. It's it's a fucking bio documentary about a musician. So mm -hmm. I don't know what what like voice they were exactly going for with this, but like it seemed like it was structured kind of weird because like it makes her both seem desperate for approval. And clueless about what to do when she doesn't receive, like, immediate approval for everything that she does. But then, like, towards the end of it, it kind of shows her growing out of it. Right. Because, like, uh, I guess, I guess, like, coming up in stardom, her whole deal was, like, oh, I need people to notice me and, like, see me be the best and succeed at everything. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. Which, uh, I don't know, though, like, that's a kind of mindset that like will fuck you up after a while. So I like, there's a, if you get famous, there's like a window of one or two years where you can either like really let it fuck you up or like rise above it. And it seems like Taylor's doing fine. So I don't know. It's just kind of what I got out of it, I guess. Right. I um I'll just retort real quick. I mean, I actually agree with a lot of what you said to be honest. I I just feel like uh and I'm not saying that this applies to you necessarily cable Caleb or or you Dan, but cable. I think cable. I don't think it applies <laughs> to cable. Um I'm a time traveling mutant. <laughs> <laughs> but I think a lot of people just hate on Taylor just because she's Taylor, you know, and I think that the documentary Well, yeah, cuz people are shitty. True. And it's like you can't just let somebody have nice things. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I agree with what you're saying, but I guess it, my retort to that would be that that was kind of the point um, for me was that, yes, it kind of seems like on the surface, but that's also all we know because we don't know her. I mean, of course, people do know her, but I'm saying yeah. uh, the three of us and a lot of people that saw this documentary, we don't know her personally. So it's just there were uh, there were parts of this that made me really sad because like. She just seems lonely. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's fat. That's fascinating to me. And I hear that about other celebrities that, you know, I mean, even like, you know, figures like Elvis and stuff, you hear those kind of stories where yeah. they're just by themselves and just, you know. Well, cause like you're on tour all the time. Like you don't have time to form relationships with people. Mm -hmm. Plus like any sort of relationship that she gets into is being picked apart in the public eye. So like, you know, you, you you would have to have intimacy issues from that, but like, uh, I don't know, like any time, 
like she was on a bus or a plane or anything like the the one person that was with her was her mom mm-hmm. cuz that's like her best friend cuz she she doesn't know anyone else you know mm-hmm. and there's a really heartbreaking line in that a documentary when she's you know kind of narrating over the interview and uh she, you know she won she like swept at the grammys which had been her ultimate goal and she finally yeah. she finally did it and she 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 referred to it as being on top of the mountain and she was like, you know, I'm up here on top of the mountain. Shouldn't I have somebody that I can call, you know, to, to talk, yeah. <laughs> to share this with? Yeah. That's kind of like what the, the the final third or so of this really examines is just like she's kind of cursed with success. Well, Dan, I'm like tapping my feet here, but go ahead, man. What what do you I assume you wanted to say something too, right? Oh, uh, this is one of the most uneven documentaries I've ever seen. Uh, I don't think it knew what it wanted to say until like the very end where it like stumbled backwards into what it wanted to say, which was that uh, basically Taylor has a voice and she learned to use her voice for certain things and she's going to use it more uh, wisely going forward. And that mm-hmm. is about it. Uh, otherwise, it, it looked you you. You are putting in front of me somebody who is uh, infinitely more talented than I am, uh, who is uh, just richer than I am, more successful than I am, uh, and you want to present them as like this tragic figure. Uh, and there's only certain people that are of that stature that I consider tragic figures. Uh, Britney Spears is one of them. Uh, Taylor mm-hmm. Swift will never be one of them. Uh, I I feel like, and this is my personal bias coming into this, but I feel like that Taylor has manufactured a lot of the hate against her and used that and parlayed that into making herself bigger. And that's fine, but I, 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 I hate the way she portrays herself as a victim uh, outside of a sexual assault case where she is absolutely a victim and uh, deserved, every, like, deserved judgment against that guy. Guy deserves to be in fucking jail. So mm-hmm. like, let's let's clear that notion out of the way. But the way she treats her, like the way she puts herself out there and pretends to be a victim uh, in the public sphere, really rubs me in the wrong way. And this movie kind of reinforced that that is what she seemingly is doing, uh, whether that is on purpose or whether that is, you know, her just being absent-minded enough to not understand what she's doing. Well, I definitely think I definitely think that's more your perception uh, of what's happening. I definitely don't think she's doing anything like that on purpose. I mean, you look at instances like uh, Kanye crashing the stage. I mean, she didn't stage that. I mean, he was just an asshole and crashed the stage. <laughs> See, I kind of I kind of fall in the middle because like there's a, a part in there where she says like you know like my my whole like moral code basically is that I've always wanted people to perceive me as being, like, the good girl. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, that's not an ethos. That's that's vanity. Like, you want to seem good and, like, pure and sweet. You know what I mean? Right. Like, Right, but I also think that was maybe you, a product you can, of... You can aspire to that perception and also be that, but, like, the reason that she's doing it is for a vain reason. You know what I mean? Perhaps, but also I think maybe that like there's a distinction there, but, but but maybe that was because that was what was expected of her too. And I mean, she started, I mean, you guys got to remember she started at age 14. I mean, I mean, well, like no, no one really, 
decides who they're going to be. Like, we're all just, like, weird amalgamations of, like, different behaviors and shit that happens to us. So, like, mm-hmm. um, like I, I don't think that it's a thing that she's doing intentionally, but, like, uh, like I said, I'm kind of in between Dan's, like, uh, dismissal of her and like your undying affection for her like i'm right no i get it i mean i you know i i know i'm i'm biased believe me by all means and i appreciate you guys having me on for it i know i'm super super biased when it comes to my taylor fandom but i do want to be open-minded and kind of hear what dan and, and other people may be saying and i'm not even saying i disagree i just I just don't think it comes from a malicious place. Do you know what I mean? What Dan was saying. I think it would sure. be more Then it comes so... from ignorance, and you can't be this ignorant. Like, when you're in this big of a public sphere, you can't be ignorant as to what your behaviors are. Right, but I think the documentary shows that growth, and that she no longer is. Uh, and that she, you know, even the fact that she was able to open up to this particular filmmaker and, you know, Netflix, to show it to just... I mean, tens of millions of people. I mean, I'm sure you guys might even have the numbers on the downloads for it, but uh, we're view, let me tell you something it. with the way they changed their their views. Those numbers are fucking meaningless. So, yeah, yeah, like fucking Ty, fucking Tyler Perry bragged that his movie got seen by 26 million people. That means 26 million people watched the first two, at least the first two minutes. And maybe just went, eh, fuck it. It's Tyler Perry. Who cares? And shut it off. So fuck you, Tyler Perry. Fuck you, Tyler Perry. I just wanted to mention a couple things that I thought were positive takeaways from the documentary, regardless of, you know, kind of anyone's opinion of her public persona, so to speak. But I thought it was fascinating to see the um, creativity process in her writing these songs. You know, I know you guys might not know a lot of the songs that were being written on the documentary, but you know, they actually filmed, you know, like brainstorming sessions with Brandon Urie, for example, and yeah, uh, was, you know, getting to see that creative process was just so cool, especially for somebody like me that knows these songs so well. Uh, I mean, she's a great yeah. songwriter. I mean, she's a great songwriter, a great performer. I thought that was a really cool aspect of this documentary. I don't know. I've watched a lot of other uh, like band documentaries and stuff, and like the the process seems to be kind of similar among a lot of musicians but like it, it's it's cool to see that like iterative process of like getting there yeah i'm so like i guess envious of that from artists that they can just kind of sit there in a room with other artists and just kind of and i know like you're like what you're saying i'm sure there's tons of music musicians that yeah. follow that that method but imagine being in the room the first time anybody said well anyway here's wonderwall mm-hmm. yeah I don't know. The most <laughs> surreal moment of this documentary was seeing Brandon Brendan Urie on on screen uh, collaborating with Taylor Swift, knowing mm-hmm. that you know, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen years prior, he was wearing uh, guy liner and uh, tons of makeup, uh, and uh, talking about some pews in a church called Redor. Yeah, that was a cool collaboration. And then and then he chimed in and ruined the exactly. wedding. Exactly. <laughs> I, I showed Ashley that music video. I'm like, so that guy on screen is this guy. And she's like, huh, okay. And then just shrugged it off and was like, documentary on. Just was like completely dismissive of me. Fuck you, Bubby. <laughs> <laughs> but I did also like how the documentary progressed. Um, 
you know, it was kind of like a little bit of a history lesson in the first half where kind of what you guys were talking about, where it was showing a lot of things that have happened to her or, or that she's been involved in throughout her career. And then it kind of eventually turned to like a more of a personal, like this is what I'm doing behind closed doors. Uh, we were talking about the songwriting stuff that, of course, nobody's seen before. And, uh, you know, other, yeah. the other things that she really, like Dan alluded to earlier, that she really is letting her voice be heard on. I mean, the sexual assault case, you know, she was being sued by this this guy for ruining his reputation when he was the in his job, when he was the one that was feeling her up. And she, she countersued the guy for $1. Um, so she was obviously countersuing him right. for the principle of, hey, dickhead. Like, don't, you know, grope women. And then on top of that, think you can get money from that same woman for groping her. And then, you know, whether you're, wherever your political alliances lie, uh, I mean, she was passionate about something and was being silenced by her team and, frankly, her parents for a long oh, no. time. Just, just her, well, really just her, her dad. dad eventually. Yeah. Well, we, dad, we get right. to the point where it's just her dad and, like, the men of her team. And I don't know, that scene in particular felt super manufactured. Like I like, I get like the whole don't be the Dixie Chicks, but it's also like, uh, I I don't know. Like it it was just like a men versus women thing, and I was just like, I don't know. I feel like I mean I'm not gonna say like they're all not fucking like woke or shit, but like one guy should at least be like, no, I agree with her. But instead, it was like, oh, all the guys are saying, hey, don't do this, and all the women are saying, hey, do this, like. But the only reason I think it was, you know, somewhat unscripted, at least what we saw in the documentary, is because they were right to a certain extent because the backlash was rapid <laughs> when she did that. And they were basically telling her, we assume, uh, before it happened, what was going to happen. And they were right. Um, and that's why I think, because, you know, I almost wonder what I would tell my daughter, you know, and, I, and I'm just using that as an example like, hey, if you have millions of followers and you tweet this and it's some type of political or religious stance of some kind, guess what? You know, half the people that might be buying your concert tickets last year are not going to buy them this year. And the country is divided. I mean, so that is a truthful kind of viewpoint to kind of give her at least like you need to think about this. But I also think that the documentary showed us her growth as an artist to where she's like, fuck that. Like, I'm Taylor Swift. I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't need permission that I may have needed five years ago. You know what I mean? Or I may have felt like I needed five years ago. Yeah. And I mean, everybody who wants to smash her CDs or burn her T-shirts or whatever has to go and buy them. So mm -hmm. Correct. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's such a stupid, stupid thing, just generally speaking. But yeah, I, I agree. Um, and then, so we talked about the politics and then we talked about the sexual assault trial. Um, her, uh, there was one other, there was a third thing that I thought that was really cool that she was, oh, the, um, eating disorder stuff. I mean, that, I mean, being in the public eye as much as she is and, and has been her whole life. And, you know, I'm not even trying to be funny guys, but even when I will mention to friends at work or people I podcast with or anything like that, you know, my kind of crush on Taylor, I can't tell you how many times people have been like, oh, she's too skinny or, or this or that. And they focus on the physical kind of aspects that obviously plagued her for many years, at least mentally, she was kind of, you know, fixated on it. And I just thought it was really just, I don't know, riveting for her to open up like that and kind of let us yeah. see 
the pain that she felt from that because what Caleb was saying earlier, I mean, guys, this is a superstar. I mean, she's got it made. She's living the dream. Like, you know, we can work as hard as we could ever work for the next 50 years and we'll never be able to accomplish what she's accomplishing. So I get that, but that doesn't mean it doesn't come with, you know, loneliness and just, she's obviously extremely concerned with what people think of her. Uh, and you can see how that came out a lot, especially in her younger years when she was being so put under the microscope from a physical standpoint. Do you guys remember that clip in the documentary with a Entertainment Tonight reporter or whatever talking about how many dudes she was going to take home because oh, well, and she was like, I, I'm not going yeah. home with any guys. Yeah, but it's, people are weird you know, and stupid. Yeah, I know. It's just what she's had to deal with. though. And, I, and you know, to your point, Dan, I think probably 99% of female quote-unquote celebrities have probably had to deal with for a long time so it's not just taylor of course but yeah sorry i know i'm i'm rambling on guys i just didn't want to not i mean i figured uh, this was gonna be the case i'm sorry i'm sorry the the main thing this documentary does and this is something i also hate about sports is that there will be this team or this person that is uh well it was pretty that was successful for a long time and then like is less successful by a little bit. So they think, they get in their head that people think they're underdogs. So then they'll be like, ah, we're fucking underdogs. And it's like, no, you're not underdogs. You're just not the favorite anymore. That doesn't mean you're not underdogs. Yeah. Like, you're still like up there with like the best of the best. You're just not like top, top. So like, mm-hmm. I fucking hate that narrative. I think it is uh, trite and yeah, boring. like like no NFL team is an underdog. Like you get paid millions of dollars to throw balls around. Yeah, right. And that's why and I agree. And that's why I was saying. I mean, she's an A plus celebrity. So you're right. I mean, she's never going to really be an underdog. I can't imagine a scenario where she would be um, unless <laughs> you know she disappears I mean? for ten years and then yeah. decides she wants to come back and, and right. you know do do this but, again. But do you guys understand what I'm saying if I say that, and of course we don't know because we're not her, but I mean, do you see what I'm saying where she might feel like the underdog and her, No, you know, she might feel that way, even though she's obviously not, you know, if she's, um, I mean, susceptible to I that. Can, I can feel like, um, I'm a unicorn and can't nobody <laughs> tell me any She actually probably feels that too. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I'll never get over anyone trying to use an underdog narrative. When they're not really an underdog. Like, uh, I, I don't know, if like a, a fucking, a local Pittsburgh band all of a sudden in like 10 years rose up and won Best Rock Artist at the Grammys, I'd say, yeah, that's an underdog story because at one point they were an underdog. Right. Like a big right. time no, underdog. I, but like, no, I get it. She continually portrays herself as an underdog. And I'm just I, like, y- y- you can't, I can't buy it, Taylor. Like it's not happening. But I, but I disagree with you because what I'm trying to, to tell you is that she's not, doing that purposefully she's um expressing how she feels and it comes off as as you or other people thinking like she's trying to force some type of narrative on you and i feel like she's only expressing how she feels do you know what i'm saying well even though even though it might be incorrect oh yeah believe me i understand Hockey players all the time. We're underdogs. No one expected us to be here. We, <laughs> you know, we came to the season, we, we worked our asses off, and everyone counted us out. I've heard that narrative a fucking million times, and every time it is boring. Because yeah. it's just not true. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say just not true. But there are specific, in, there are rare instances. Like, uh, 
not to get too much into it, but the St. the St. Louis Blues last year were one of the worst teams in the NHL. And then all of a sudden they hit a hot streak and won the Stanley Cup. That's an underdog story because like they were garbage and then they were suddenly amazing. So, um I just want to get y'all's opinion, you and Caleb's opinion on something real quick. So, ironically, I knew I was recording this with you guys tonight and then the last few days now, this by a percentage standpoint, this is not a lot of people because I have like maybe I don't know seven hundred friends on Facebook or whatever. But I've literally had five. <laughs> I've li- I've literally had five different people uh, message me on Facebook that they didn't like Taylor, and and now that they saw the documentary, they like her. What do you guys? I mean, that's what I'm talking about. And I, and I read those, and it makes me, you know, happy because it's like okay, you know. You guys aren't going to be haters anymore, at least not as much of a hater. But I mean, what do you guys, in other words, did your uh, perception or fandom change for her at all after seeing the documentary, or do you kind of feel the same way about her? I don't know. I don't really give a shit. Yeah, I, I don't give a shit I either. thought Taylor Swift was fine, <laughs> and then I watched a movie about her, and now I think that she's fine. Okay, yeah. so same, pretty much. Uh, I know what I know about her through tangential like people talking about it, or like gossip shit. Uh, and yeah. I watched this and I was just like, all right, this is basically what everyone has already talked about. So you know, she's yeah. the same person I thought she was. Now, I, uh, if she does actually improve upon herself, like she seemingly will start doing after the end of this documentary, mm-hmm. uh, maybe I can become a fan of her. But uh, as of now, it's just like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, I loved um in the documentary to when she got the phone call. The morning that Reputation was an album that was uh, a labor of love for her. It was kind of her comeback album, and the Grammys gave her zilch in terms of uh, nominations, and she got the call that she didn't get any nominations. And she just paused for a second and said, okay, i got to make a better album. And guess what? She did. (laughs) Love her as a fucking masterpiece. So uh, it received several nominations this year. Uh, I love that, and I I don't know, man. I I know I'm biased because I'm just a super fan of hers, and I have been for, like I said, about eight years, but I just think she's she's great. I think her music is great, and I think she's going to continue to inspire others uh, that are young and up and coming. And I, I think you're great. I I, I, I think it, you're guys. great. I like I like this documentary, guys. Uh, do we have any closing thoughts on uh, Taylor Swift? I never thought we'd be going for roughly a half an hour on this, but yet, sorry guys, here we are. <laughs> did did you not? No, really, I didn't. <laughs> I like I I don't find there to be much much substance with this documentary, but I guess I was wrong. I disagree. So I rambled too much. I apologize. But how fucking dare you, guest? I mean, I've already said you know everything I could say. Really, I mean, I thought it was a great documentary, and being a super fan, it made it that much more enjoyable for me because I got to see the behind the scenes of all the things I kind of already had read about or knew about. Uh, the songwriting stuff behind the scenes was was awesome. Obviously, I loved all the music in it. Um, I thought it was great, you know, and I love anytime I get to experience Taylor and pop culture, I'm going to jump all over it. So, you know this, Dan, but I gave it five stars. I, I sure do. I, I, I on looked it. on Letterboxd and I just went, <laughs> yeah. man, yeah. fuck this guy in particular. <laughs> so, yeah, I, lo- I loved it. I loved it. It's as good as Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this documentary is fine. It portrays taylor in a way that i think is uh mildly fair uh in that it's semi-balanced in some ways 
and she at least like shows reflection upon what she's done in her, in her life and all that other stuff. So like, I think it's an okay look at her, but I, I'm not a fan, so I don't know and I don't care. So uh, I got to get you there, man. I got to get you. It's there, never going to happen. That's not fair, man. You it's can introduce me to something. I can introduce you to this, and let's do it. It's never going to happen. <laughs> I listened to about five Taylor Swift songs in that documentary that I'd never oh, heard before, and I just so went, good, right? These are certainly pop songs. Oh man, Gerald! At some point in the future, I'm going to sit you down and force you to listen to me talk about Coheed and Cambria for three hours. Ta- let's talk do it, about man. the lore of all their albums. <laughs> You, you see, they're they're sort of metal, but sometimes their songs are really poppy, they, and all of their albums go in order until they don't. Yeah. Good you eye, know, Sniper. Put, you know, I put a tune on the episode we did together for you, man. Dan told me they were oh, your yeah. favorite, so I threw them on there. You know what, though? And, and I'm not even trying to be funny about this, but I I love seeing other people's passion, particularly in music. So I've actually sat with people, Caleb, and, and they've had conversations with me about a band or album or something they love and in the back of my mind when i sit down with them i'm going this is a piece of shit but if the person's <laughs> if the person's passionate about it and they're talking about it with passion i actually get into it and I actually research it and look up some songs and like do the whole thing so i actually listened to a few coheed songs that day when i was trying to find one to put on the episode and that was just look at you. that was just by dan telling me that they were your favorite group and i was like well i've heard of them but i don't really know enough about them my boy caleb likes them so you know, I don't, I don't know, but I'm not saying Dan should do that with me with Taylor, but I also am saying that he should do that. So I would rather chop uh, the balls off. I don't know my my only final thought, I guess, would be that life's too short to pretend you don't like the catchy Taylor Swift songs. <laughs> there are t- there are definitely catchy Taylor Swift songs. It's just like none of the none of the songs that I heard for the first time in the documentary were like, ah oh, man, these are great. I can't wait to go listen to them forever. Like, I'll listen to Shake It Off, like, all fucking day. But that's really about it. And that's on 1989, which is her A-plus masterpiece. So I was going to tell you, hmm. and Ashley will tell you, because she, she loves loves her, too. Oh, but I would listen to 1989. Oh, don't you fucking worry. What was she doing the entire time and each time a song was playing on screen? Singing along. Hmm. Yeah, but listen to 1989, man. That is an amazing album. Uh, Caleb, what would, the, what would be the grade you would give this thing? Ah, <sighs> uh, three and a half. It's uh, it's it's the high end of fair to good, you know. And everyone heard me say it's fine. You should all know what letter grade or uh, star grade gets assigned to that. A two. N- yes. No, a three. <laughs> a three, right? <laughs> yeah, it it is it is three. Oh, okay. I was like, wow, I've fucking missed something. No, okay. no, 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 no. Uh, Gerald, tell everyone about your show and uh, where they can find you. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Um, like you said, I'm a patron of you dudes, and I love you guys. I love your show. We do a countdown show, a top five show. You guys have both been on several times, and I have guests on frequently, and we just count down movies, music, TV, and pop culture. Uh, one top five at a time. Just go to Twitter. Follow us on Twitter at 2Ps on a pod, and that's T-W-O spelled out. Our show is also on Podbean under 2Ps on a podcast. Solid. Well, Gerald, uh, I had you pull up a couple things before we uh, got rolling on this segment. Uh, one is randomwordgenerator.com, and the other is netflix.com. So why don't you take that random word that you pulled up, uh, tell everyone what it is, and then search it in Netflix and uh, pick us something to watch for next week. 
Random word generator. All right, what am I doing? You want me to type a word in? No, 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 no. They, sh- when you go to the website, there should be a word that just immediately pops up. So what, what's that word? Television. All right, so take television, put it in the mm-hmm. Netflix, and search it, and pick something oh, you want us to okay. watch. Have you heard us do this segment we, we've before? We've done this segment like every I fucking have. week. I have, but this <laughs> website really confused me for a second. It wasn't, it yeah, wasn't you guys, it was the website. It's kind of out there. It, it looks like something from like 1997 web. It is true. So I do, do I just give you the first one that popped up, right? Or one you want us you want us to watch? I don't give a shit. So you anything do, that's you on this you. first page, or and it has to be a movie. Uh, a movie be great, or like a, a single episode of a television show. What about okay? How about Betty White, the first lady of television? I'm fine with that. That if works. If you guys don't, oh, yeah. if you guys don't love that, you have no soul. So I'm, I mean, I'm throwing you a fucking boner. Does Ashley even have a Betty White Funko? I I can love it and still have no soul. Yeah. Well, that's true. That's true. So yeah. Betty White, the first lady of television, is only a 55-minute documentary. Oh, that's fucking perfect. This is, this is going to be the easiest week of the, of, of uh, the year so God far. God bless you. There you go. I'm here for you guys. Ray, I'm here if you need to talk. I like your talk. <laughs> I do. I, I do need to I'm, talk. I'm here if you need to talk. Uh, that's it. That's, uh, so thanks, Gerald. Thanks for uh, coming on the show, gushing about Taylor Swift, and then giving us a Betty White documentary. I appreciate you. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you, dudes. Uh, Caleb, what else are we doing next week? Uh, I couldn't tell you because I didn't look. Oh, it's a... Uh, to all the boys, P.S. I still love you. There it is. Uh, with special guest Colby Mack. That's right. The Mack Attack is on his uh, first guest spot on Netflix and so Oh, my God. Nice. Uh, love he, Colby. Love he, Colby. He, he's he's going to be fresh out of Colby Does Dolby about uh, Birds of Prey, which is apparently a good movie. Yeah, I was supposed to go today. I didn't get. I had to get a refund. My kid's school canceled because it was cloudy out. I, I so so <laughs> Gerald, you and I live in the same state now, and it is insane to me how everyone freaks out about the weather down here. Yep, get it, ready, man. Everyone is a crazy like it, it, it like torrential rained. Get ready, and I'm like, I drive yeah, in Pennsylvania. This. We we drive 80 miles an hour <laughs> in a blizzard without batting an eye. Yeah, so. dude, I was driving. I was going like 75 on the fucking highway. Yeah, it's through, insane, bro. With, wait with a until downpour. Wait until the local weathermen say that there's snow coming in like a week. Like the grocery store will be out of bread and milk within a day. Good. They can have all those carbs and fats. My stepdad lived in Texas for a little bit. And he was there the first time that it had snowed in like 50 years. And there was like a light dusting of snow on the road. Mm-hmm. And like everybody fucking wrecked. People were going out and buying like brand new fucking tires. Yeah. <laughs> it was like the fucking Wild West. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It drives me insane. We, we were talking about Snowmageddon at work today. And I was just mm-hmm. like, man, if you were an indie filmmaker in North Carolina, that would be my post-apocalyptic movie. Is just like nah. go out to like walk out to a highway and then just like take your camera down it and just make that your scene for your post apocalyptic movie. It would be perfect. Did they show you the thing with the cars on fire on the side <laughs> oh, of the dude, road? Dude, I, I, oh, they no. didn't even have to show me. I've seen Snowmageddon. It was crazy. Oh man, it was like two yeah, inches. If, if you're from if you're from Pennsylvania or like Michigan, you just don't give a fuck. Yeah, I remember looking at that when I was in Pittsburgh. Still, and I'm like, what the fuck are these babies going on about? Like, I, I I've driven through that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Oh my god, the white water fell from the sky. We're all gonna die. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan, tell them stuff. Sure, you can uh, hit us up, netflixandswill.com. It's where you can find relevant links to the show, like our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, also our Patreon. I am now... I. I <laughs> I'm once again asking you for financial support. Uh, please give us money on Patreon for us to do cool things. Uh, there's a tentative plan to see a film, to go to a film festival where I bring Caleb down here using the show's money. So if you would like for that to happen, patreoncom slash swill. Hooray! I'll do it. Oh wait a minute, I already am doing it. We're we're talking about nine one nine, Gerald. I know, I know. We're, we're try- I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get Caleb down here for 919. I know. He, sh- he should come. Caleb, I think I'm going to be going to, at least for a couple of days. Oh, my God. I can meet you in meat space. Mm-hmm. Five-day film festival, the 14th through the 18th of October. I'm going to try to go all five days because I'm a psycho. Mm. All right. Well, we will work on a plan. Until next week, this is Caleb saying, look at what you made me watch. Netflix and Swill is an independent podcast. As such, we believe in the scrappy underdogs of the podcast world. If you're an indie podcast and would like us to run your promo on our show, please contact us. The little guys need to stick together. If you enjoy what we're doing, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and telling a friend. The more we grow, the better the show will be. Thank you for being part of the Netflix and Swill family.